The following is a hoop ball presentation. Another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Make sure to check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets. Online, hoop-ball.com. Uh, the NBA season is what, 49 days away by the time y'all listen to this? Yeah, pretty much. So with that, you know, fancy basketball around on the corner. Make sure that you get an edge or be like me. Don't get the edge. Come with a cool name and lose. Your call. But if you do want to check it out, again, on Twitter, uh, hoop ball tweets online hoop dash ball.com the nba draft guide brewski's 150 everything's out there so definitely take advantage of that all right today well by the time y'all listen this is a lovely tuesday the last day of the month of august what a crazy month it's been i am happy thrilled to be joined by my best friend here on twitter my best friend nba twitter space my be- just just gary bougay my friend best friend at gary bougay on twitter we're breaking down toronto raptors i feel we don't have to be formal here garrett how you doing man I'm doing good. Went to the dentist today, got the all clear, no cavities. So I'm, oh, I'm in a great mood. It's wow. There you go, man. That's, that's good. And a heck of a lot better than my last visit. No I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, honestly it is, I'm not going to go into my horrible, actually I'm going to go into it. All right. So I had what about a year and a half ago, I had never had a cavity in my life. And then a year and a half ago, not only did I have a cavity, but I had one in between two teeth. Sign no. of a guy who brushed, uh, my dentist said, you brush well, you just didn't floss well. And I was like, oh, great. And I let it sit because I said, oh, I'll come back and take care of it. Well, coming back to like two, three, four months because I forgot. And I was one of those people where you don't feel pain, you're not thinking about it. Um, well, that was horrible and detrimental because eventually it eroded to a nerve. And I was like eating mashed potatoes, still thinking everything's fine. I'm going to the dentist over the weekend. And I had tried to eat like, I don't know what it was, maybe a piece of rice or something. And it touched that nerve. And my whole face swole up and it caused an infection. They had to like drain it, clean it, then do the root canal in between both teeth. I caused myself a whole world of pain for one cavity I shouldn't take care of. So just, just be like Garrett and don't get cavities. And if you do be like anyone other than myself and take care of them immediately because um, stuff gets gnarly real, real fast. Um, to be honest, I, I don't floss very much either. So, I mean, maybe I'm just lucky. I- hey, hey, listen, <laughs> It only, everyone thinks it, man, it gets, it gets, it gets wild. I think you, I think it's luck. And I think it's, I mean, we already talked about how much of a better planner you are than me. So I think there's some element of that goes into there too. Um, but today we were breaking down the Toronto Raptors. We're doing the Toronto Raptors off season review. Uh, the Raptors, man. I mean, we, we start this, it's not really a, a format, but I guess it is. I give my brief, just look at their numbers and what I remember Raptor story. I remember the Raptors being a sad team last year. Um, for one thing, they weren't the Toronto Raptors. They were the Tampa Bay Raptors playing the entire season there. Basically, like a year-long business trip, which is not very fun. Um, I've only done a couple months, and it wasn't fun. So you had that going for them or not going for them. They finished 27-45. and 45. It was horrible. Injuries did rack them. So did um, COVID protocols. This wasn't great. You had the Kyle Lowry situation swirling around the entire time, especially when it came toward midseason, when he was going to be dealt to a variety of teams that should have pulled the trigger but did not. Um, only came to bite them back in the playoffs later on. Um, as it was, Lowry did finish the season with Toronto. Um, but, you know, we're leads to the offseason because as of now, he is no longer, well, 
for the future ever again. He's no longer a Toronto Raptor. So you had that happen. You had some players step up in different ways. You had a trade of Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. Um, and yeah, it just was an interesting year. And by interesting, you mean rough. Uh, the Raptors finished 16th in offensive rating, 15th in defensive rating, uh, 19th in net rating, which honestly doesn't look that bad considering. Um, but it, it was a rough go of it for, for them. And uh, with that, I ask Garrett here, the, the actual Raptors expert on this show, what is your personal recap of the season that was for Toronto? Yeah, I mean, you brought up a lot of it, but but yeah, the them having to play all their home games in Tampa certainly was a detriment. Um, I, I listened to the recent, to the annual Messiah Jury press conference, and, and he brought up that he thinks that pushed their organization back two or three years Wow, uh, playing in, in Tampa, so... Uh, that obviously was difficult. And then also, you know, they, they got off to that rough start. They started two and eight, but it wasn't a matter of, you know, they, they weren't competitive. They just were losing a lot of really tough games. I, I remember the second game of the year was a really tight loss to San Antonio where DeMar DeRozan just went crazy against his former team. Love those. They had back-to-back losses on the road by a single point in each game versus Golden State and Portland. Uh, so, you know, they, they got off to that rough start, but, you know, they still seemed like a pretty competitive team. They were better than their record. And obviously their, their season long point differential was better than their overall record. Mm. Uh, but, you know, people forget that the team rebounded, got back to, they, they were over 500. They got to 16 and 15 at one point. And then that's when the, the COVID stuff happened and you had OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet all out at the same time for an wow. extended period. Uh, they, they had a 14 game stretch with the, you know, where those three missed a lot of it, where they went one in 13. Uh, wow. So that's a big chunk wow. of you know, going yeah. eight games under 500 for the seat. That's, that's 12 of the 18 right there. <laughs> Losing a big uh, chunk of your core like that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at, at that point, it, it felt like the team rightfully sort of changed course and started to tank, recognizing that, yeah, we could theoretically still fight for the play in and uh, get into the playoffs only to probably lose in the first round. But I think the team realized, hey, we've got an opportunity here. Most teams are still fighting for the playoffs. If we go the opposite direction, we can get ourselves a good pick. And they ended up getting the, the number four selection in the draft and sort of have a one-year sort of rebuild. Yeah. And uh, so I, I thought that was the, the the smart choice. There were some positives, though, despite, you know, the poor record and all of that. You know, I think Malachi Flynn got a bunch of time in the G League and showed some progression. I think that experience was great for him. Fred Van Fleet had a, a career year and really mm-hmm. showed himself to be a borderline all-star caliber player. OG Ananobi made some uh, made some improvements with his off the bounce game and just his overall his overall feel and Pascal Siakam after a rough start you know he was bad in the bubble as well but he he got better as the season went along and I, I feel like with a with an actual offseason this time around and hopefully if Toronto's back at home uh, in the state of Canada for their home games <laughs> that uh, he'll have a bounce back year as well okay Wow. I mean, listen, this is why you're the expert on the squad, because you came up with some really um, good detail points. Nothing less than expected from Garrett Bouguet here. Um, so I guess looking into the offseason, um, we have to start with the draft. Uh, particularly, I think this is where everyone just kind of lost their marbles collectively. You know, NBA draft Twitter specifically, NBA fans at large. 
with the selection of Scotty Barnes, um, fourth overall, you know, we thought it was kind of a given, you know, you already had Cade, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, then of course it was going to be Evan Mobley, then Jalen Suggs. This is mocked, you know, whether you went to the athletic, whether you went to Bleacher Report, whatever the case may be, Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga were going to be left for the Magic to kind of figure out. And I was watching that as a Magic guy to see who they were going to look at. And so of course the Raptors throw a Big old wrench in the plans, the selection of Scotty Barnes, fourth overall. I was stunned. I didn't like it. After Summer League, I still don't like it. Like, I see what he is. I like kind of him as a player, sort of, not really. But, like, I just, can you tell me, let's give this to you. I'm just, I'm trying to get this question together because I've been thinking about this for all day here. In terms of why do you think the Raptors made the selection, right? Um, what were your personal thoughts on Scotty Barnes before you did a, a really detailed uh, draft uh, overlook on another great pod you should check out, as I like to say, at Duncan Dynasty um, on Twitter, where you went to draft prospects um, and broke them down. So did you like the fit in Toronto at first glance? And what were your thoughts uh, after Summer League as well? Yeah, so I should just state that when I did that that podcast with Stuart Zahn, we, uh, we both kind of did our big boards to a certain extent. And and I, I ended up having Scotty Barnes in his own tier after the top, the consensus top three. So I'm actually pretty high on, on Scotty Barnes. Everything I've heard of him as a person, as a worker, as a communicator, all of that seems to be through the roof. He, he's an excellent human being. And, uh, you know, we've seen what the Raptors like as far as drafting prospects and the likes of Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. These are guys that they drafted late in the first round, but they they were guys that long wings that they projected to be pretty good athlete, athletically and pretty good on the defensive end. And Scotty Barnes fits right into that. Now, I, I can understand a little bit of skepticism about his offensive profile, given the the jump shot is, is certainly something that has to be improved. Yeah, but the the Raptors player development program has, is arguably the best in the NBA. And I would not be surprised if in a few years they have not made him an elite shooter, but a capable one. And with all of his other tools, his defense, his passing, again, his, uh, you know, the, the fundamentals, the communication, the intangibles, I think he could turn out to be a really good player. And I think the Raptors also were kind of thinking again, given that this might be their only year where they're in the lottery and picking high in the draft that, uh, you know, maybe Jalen Suggs didn't quite have the ceiling of mm. a Scotty Barnes, whereas, yeah, I'm, I, I fully agree that, that Suggs' floor is probably better than Barnes, but uh, I think, you know, when, when you talk about who are the top 10 players in the NBA and how tall are those guys, a, a good chunk of them are 6'8 or taller. And True. with Barnes, with his D, I think he's going to be a, a good defensive player right out of the gate. And, uh, with, you know, watching him in summer league at times, he, he made some mistakes. He had some turnovers, but I don't know if you noticed this Corbin, but I thought it was a lot that just, he, he didn't have the greatest teammates on the floor and he was making these touch passes, these really nice reads, these drop-offs where guys would just have the ball go through their hands or they wouldn't be expecting it. So I, I think when you see him on the floor with Van Fleet, with OG, with Siakam, his passing, his unselfishness on the offensive end is going to look a lot better than it than it did in a summer league setting. That makes sense. I'm with you on that. And you made a great point about the top players in the NBA being taller. You know, if they are guys who handle the rock, you know, if they aren't traditional post guys and they are like 
wing-sized initiators, jumbo-sized playmakers, um, guys who were that regard. And with that, you can definitely see Scotty Barnes fit that. Um, I, we, I didn't like his shooting. I'm, I'm sure we all know that. But, like, I do have a positive in the fact that he didn't shy away necessarily from taking those shots. I think he went something like three for 13 from three. But, hey, you're going to take 13 threes knowing that you're not a good shooter, like, but having the confidence to take it. Uh, it reminds me of another guy who does that that gets clowned relentlessly, but it's Russell Westbrook. You know, he, you're not a good shooter, but you're going to become one. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I had to, Garrett, I had to. Um, but, like, on a really realistic note, like, the fact that he wasn't going to just be scared of it himself. If you're going to leave me open, I'm going to take the shot. I mean, he didn't prove anyone wrong. Like, he still can't shoot. But it was nice to see the confidence in that. And like you said, there was playmaking. I thought he showed great flashes on the defensive side. Obviously, where the bread is buttered in terms of how high he was drafted. Um, I guess I was just higher on Jalen Suggs. And I thought that, I mean, if you want to look at a model for Jalen Suggs, I think it was less Kyle Lowry and more Fred Van Vliet. But nobody saw Fred Van Vliet would have the Raptors single game scoring record. You know, he, he development encouraged, and I thought that in the right system, he would slide in. Maybe it made too much sense in, in a way from like, oh, these are the dots. Larry leaves, you bring them in. Maybe it made too much in that way, and maybe it is Fred Van Vliet's show to run. But that was my own uh, sort of logic going into that, and that's why I was kind of shocked when I said, okay, you're bringing in Scotty Barnes. You already have, um, you know, OG Ananobi kind of in the small forward spot and Pascal Siakam playing the four. Both those guys, as long as they're there, are going to be there. I mean, less, you know – um Barnes becomes just so much better so I didn't see the fit there but I guess I, I mean the Raptors will make it work I'm sure yeah the uh, in Scotty Barnes's own words he mentioned that uh, in the in the workout that he did for the Raptors they had him shoot a lot so clearly the the Raptors are intelligent you know that the people involved in Toronto they're 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 intelligent. They, they know just like the rest of us that the, the shot is a question mark. So they looked it over and, uh, you know, examined it, probably zoomed in a few times, had five different cameras uh, spotted on him. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's sorry, the 360. Yeah, it, it shows that they, they clearly know what he needs to work on and they believe they can help him get better at it. And then also the other reason I, I'm, I'm higher, I think, on him than most is you know, I project him as potentially being able to play some five, you know, he's, he's six, eight with a seven, three wingspan and he's about 225 pounds. He's got some muscle on him. I mean, you, you compare him to Mobley, he's bigger just bulk wise than Mobley is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) that's true. Wow. and, And you talk about like then at that point, if he's playing the center, the shot isn't as big of an issue. And his passing, his ability to handle it, his ability to switch on defense. And I, I think also that he can eventually, with, with that wingspan and his anticipation, his, his uh, you know, feel for the game, that he'll be able to become a, a, a reasonable rim protector as well at the next level. Okay. I mean, you. Uh, what's funny, I thought about it for a second when about possibly in the five, but you bring up the physical component of that. Like, being, no, he's a rock in terms of physicality, um, just his profile. And seeing that in Summer League, too. You know, I didn't watch a whole lot of Scotty Barnes, um, like, in person. Like, most of what I watched was in the hotel room later on playback, you know, and then over the last couple of weeks. But, like, seeing him, yeah, like, the dude is is sturdy, you know? And you're right, in this positionless NBA, you know, only the best of the best will really kind of make him uncomfortable um and you can say same for Evan Mobley so that's not that's not horrible there um I guess transitioning from the draft more to a uh, bigger issue not really I, it depends how you feel about it, which is obviously the loss of Kyle Lowry um you know it's been talked about rumors have been swirling all year they'd honestly been kind of swirling from the year before but definitely 
you know, fast, given how bad, how fast, how far the Raptors fell. Um, finally, all came to a head. Just a, time is just a construct in the NBA season. But basically, like, it feels like a year ago, feels like two months ago, it's probably like four weeks ago. Um, Kyle Lyre was traded to the Heat um, in a sign-in trade that sent Goran Dragic and Precious Achua to the Raptors. So before we kind of go into the package of what's back with Toronto, I do want to go in there. Um, even if it's just like a cursory kind of look at it. Um, what do you feel about Kyle Lowry? I mean, the Lowry situation, how it unfolded, you know, going to the trade deadline, you had all these offers, you know, the Raptors not taking any of them, standing pat. Only, you know, they got something back, uh, really namely Precious Achua, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and just in general, uh, his eventual, you know, departure, uh, the way it unfolded in his legacy to Toronto. Yeah, it's it's tough to really comment about the deals at the trade deadline because they're all rumors. Uh, we, we heard some packages. of The course, Lakers was the best, sorry. The, the rumor surrounding the <laughs> Lakers is that they weren't willing to throw in, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker into the package. <laughs> and if that's the case, yeah, it doesn't sound like a great deal from <laughs> Fabulous. So, yeah. you know, I, I trust Masai Ujiri. I, I think he's the best GM or executive or whatever, whatever title he has now, it continues to ascend every, every off season seemingly. But uh, uh, I, I trust that if he felt like the deals weren't good enough at the deadline, you know, that that was probably accurate. And the fact that they did get something, I think Achua is a really nice young prospect. And again, at a position that they needed some help at at the center spot and Dragic, whether they move him later or keep him, I think he can help uh, as long as he's not, uh, you know, uh, as long as you don't play him when, when you play the Miami heat, because I think he'll try to sabotage you at that point. But, (laughs) but yeah, I think it's a, I think it was a solid package. And as far as, as far as Kyle Lowry is concerned, I mean, I think it goes without saying he's the greatest Raptor of all time. I mean, what he accomplished in Toronto, winning a championship, um, you know, winning as many games as he did. They won 56 games in the 15-16 season, 59 games in 17-18, 58 and 18-19, the championship year. And then they won 53 games in 72 in that 72-game season wow. in 19-20. So, you know, if uh, – if you doubted Kyle Lowry in terms of the statistics or the individual play, one thing you cannot disagree with is that the guy is just a flat out winner and he constantly won in that city. And uh, yeah, I I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that he's the greatest Toronto Raptor that's uh, that's ever put on that uniform. I was going to say, where do you fall on? And this is my own personal one. Yes, I have a type. You understand this, but I think it's a legitimate question. Um, DeMar DeRozan. Like Kyle Lowry means a lot to Toronto and I get he's a great Raptor and I'm not arguing that like on its head. I just feel like so many people like that leaves DeRozan in the cold and it's like, yeah, he didn't lead into a championship, but like in a way he kind of did. Um, but like, also like, I just don't understand, I guess like where, okay, where do you personally put him? I know it's, it's, it's not a question relative to Toronto Raptors, just much my own curiosity because Kyle Lowry is the best Raptor. And I agree just for what he's meant um, how long he stayed everything there and, and the way that when he came he like truly turned it around but like DeMar DeRozan having been kind of the original in that way um, I, I, I feel it's kind of not complicated but definitely interesting yeah I mean there's a uh, there's a romantic sort of element to DeMar being drafted there and, and growing there but you could you can kind of say the same you know Lowry wasn't drafted by Toronto but when he got there he wasn't known as the Kyle Lowry that we know of him today that's true he really grew into himself and grew into that all-star caliber player in toronto as well 
And That's yeah, true. DeRozan, obviously a, a terrific score was a part of, you know, some of those teams that I mentioned that uh, put together great seasons, but I always, and, and some may disagree, but I always felt like Kyle Lowry was the number one guy and DeRozan was the two. And, uh, you know, given Lowry's ability to not only score, but to play make, to defend not only one-on-one, but as a, a team defender. And DeRozan, yes, he fulfilled a, a role that the team needed. They, they needed his mid-range creation ISO ability. But uh, Lowry's all-around play, I think, was the glue that really made those teams special. Definitely. And, and, and like, he was the emotional leader on that as well. I mean, he was that spark plug. I remember uh, a duel yet with Steph Curry. I think the Warriors won it, too. But it was just so cool to see Steph Curry, you know, do a shot. They were celebrating. And Lowry just the audacity that man to go back and do the same thing. Like, yeah, we're here. it was so cool. And, I mean, I'm going to watch him in Miami. I'm sure we all will. We'll enjoy it. Um, you know, Toronto fans have uh, interesting um, – I don't want to say – yeah, legacy. Like, I mean, he's, he's part of them. You know, the emotional return is going to be – it's going to be huge. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it. Like I did, I hate to bring it up, but like, I actually am not playing. Um, like when Russell Westbrook returned to Oklahoma city, like the outpouring of support from a guy who probably thought he was going to stay with that team for the rest of his career and a team that it considered the same with the fan base. And then seeing how that unfolded and maybe coming to terms with that, it doesn't truly happen. I don't think until they go back to that original team and that circle is complete. And I really think it's going to be a lot just from an entertainment standpoint, but also from an emotional human standpoint, it's interesting. Especially um, if it's in Toronto and not in Tampa. That is true. And it's probably, yes, please let's hope that that is the case. Let's a hundred percent hope that that is the case. You said it because you really want that in, in the, in, with the crowd, you really want that to be done you know, right. Um, right. But yeah, basically that, um, with that, uh, as far as the return, I mean, I'm glad the Raptors got something They could have got nothing for him. Um, like you said, I don't think Goran is long for Toronto. I just, I feel he's going to Dallas. I feel some way, somehow he'll be moved to Dallas. He obviously doesn't want to be there. He's doing his best Eric Bledsoe. Um, I don't think Toronto's like, yeah, we're going to keep it anyway. They're good. Like he's, he's good. He's not that good. You know, not at this stage of his career. Um, so I just feel like that's going to happen. I like precious as uh, a young big, with some talent in this de- developmental system that Toronto has going on, I really think it's going to be conducive to a better overall player, even more so than what he would have been in Miami. Um, and Miami has a not, they're not, a, they're not a slouch either in that development department either, but i um, really happy to see that. But honestly, there's not a whole lot of thoughts for me on the return. They were just how to get something for him. And I think that, you know, in letting go of a guy like that, man, I just, like I said, look forward to seeing when he plays with him again. Um, yeah, the, the- The comment you made is a great one about his role in Miami and his chance to develop there. You know, he's behind Bam for the Heat. Yeah. There's just a lack of opportunity there. Whereas in Toronto, they, you know, they've got a guy in Kem Birch who I think is a solid, solid center, but somebody that you could, you could probably surpass if, uh, if a Chua turns out to be the player that I'm sure that the Raptors hope he can be. Exactly. Exactly. And you give yourself the chance, you know, now, now you don't, you don't, we'll see where he develops into, but you have the opportunity now to say, okay, he's going to play what 15 minutes a night, 20 minutes a night, maybe behind Bam. I mean, on the regular, you know, it's not a chance to really show your stuff, uh, depending on if he's a four, then you get some minutes there, that sort of thing. But now, you know, go at it, you know, try different things, get funky with it, whatever the case may be. So that, that, that is a good point. Very intriguing there. Um, So I guess this is where I just go into, I'm just going to run it all of them. Um, and just kind of pick and choose, like, you know, what, what you want to kind of focus on. But in terms of the moves that the Toronto Raptors made, aside from that, um, well, it was uh, DeAndre Bembry um, is over. Oh, that's what they lost. They lost Bembry. They lost Baines. 
uh, Jalen Harris, Rodney Hood, Stanley Johnson, Paul Watson, you know, the big one, Paul Watson, sad, but um, uh, who they got, <laughs> um, obviously Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes, Isak Banga, um, Sam Decker, oddly enough, um, Goran Dragic, um, I didn't, this just came in a little bit ago, but I think they signed a, a two-year deal uh, with the play, one-year, 1v1, one-year play option for uh, Svi Mikhailuk. I think I said that, right? Yes. There you go. Good. So that is kind of who's out and who's in for the notable guys. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, we already kind of touched on Achua, Barnes, uh, but you got Isaac Banga. What in the world is with Sam Decker and why in the world is it Toronto? That's the question I have. But um, aside from that, like, is Toronto right now in a space where, you know, they're just kind of building out and going to continue to, you think they keep Pascal Siakam and OG Anobi and this group is kind of to help accentuate that? Yeah, I mean, let's let's get into Sam Decker because you seem to be a little bit perplexed by that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was, uh, you know, coming out of college, 6'9", really good athlete, but in a couple of years in the NBA, was originally drafted by Houston. Just, you know, could not shoot the basketball, was not a reliable enough shooter to really make it. But, uh, you know, then went overseas. And last year in Turkey, Corbin, he shot 45.2% on 4.5 attempts. Uh, so yeah. he's uh, he certainly, you know, that, that is a one-year sample. You don't want to overvalue that too much, nope. but if the, if the shot is legitimately improved, I could see Sam De- Decker being a, a reasonable sort of rotation piece, you know, a, a ninth or 10th guy on your bench. I think you could do a lot worse if, if he's able to hit say 35% of his threes and, and just provide some size and athleticism. Okay, so just a rotation player, not really doing too much. I just felt it was weird because when he left, the you know, when he, I think he was last with the Clippers. I believe Before out right. the NBA, and he was just kind of there and he was gone. I was like, okay. Like, you know, there's a chance he comes back, you know, and he's like, okay, he went, he found his, his, his kind of role, his footing. And I just feel like what he's coming back to do is what he was supposed to have done to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, unless I didn't know the percentages, but I was like, okay, what are you getting from Sam Decker that, like, unless he, you know, grew two more inches and developed a killer handle, and it's now, like, you know, American Luka Doncic, like, I didn't know his role. He, he wasn't doing a decent job at an NBA, at least that I remember. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and, you know, Masai has a history of, of scouting in Europe and bringing guys over. Of course, he did that with Matt Thomas, who, you know, Matt Thomas wasn't the greatest player in the world, but the no. dude could shoot. And, you know, as, as a guy on your bench, I think you could do a lot worse than Matt Thomas. So if, mm-hmm. if Sam Decker is even that level of a player, I, I don't think it's a, it's a bad signing, especially at the co- at the low cost. I, I agree. I hope not. I mean, the dude is a career 28% shooter from three. That's like Russell Westbrook. In fact, I think Russell Westbrook shoots better. Um, just saying, I mean, I hate to bring him up with you, but I feel that's my lightning rod, but like, yeah, I mean, his best shooting year was, um, the year he split with Cleveland and Washington. He only played nine games and shot 38%. So, I mean, I can look at the totals on that right now, but I'm, I'm one of the best pretty low. Yeah. Five of 13 was his big one. But other than that, he, you know, his first high volume role in Houston, he shot 32%, 60 of 187. Then it was 16% on 10 of 60, 19 of 62. And his final half with the Washington Wizards uh, two years ago, 14 of 49. So if he went out, you know, I, I, there's no small reason why he wasn't in the league. But, like, he went out, he found a shooting stroke. Do I think it's going to be 40-ish percent? Eh, I don't know. But, like, if it's, like, 37, you know, 36, 37%, I, I think you're right. And you're right. For the cost, it's it's low. That, that, I guess that's the more important part. Um, the Raptors can afford to take a flyer on somebody that can add some additional spacing. Um, but looking at, I guess – taking stock of this roster um 
Well, first, before I even get there, did you have any hopes of what you wanted the Raptors to do? Did you want them to shot Pascal Siakam? Did you want them to build around the youth? What was your goals kind of before you even saw what moves Toronto eventually into making? Yeah, so I I kind of, I don't mind the direction they're going in, which is, you know, kind of rebuilding, helping young guys get better, but at the same time still trying to compete and, and play at a high level. Um the the guy that I really liked for them and and he was kind of my Jay Crowder of this offseason a guy that I thought oh, he could help a whole bunch of teams was Spencer Dinwiddie yeah I been a really nice guy this team needed some extra off the bounce creation and uh, I thought he would have been a nice fit and and Toronto had some cap space this offseason but elected it to use it more on you know bringing back some guys like Kem Birch and and Gary Trent Jr. and the like. But, uh, yeah, that would have been the one guy that, uh, that that I was really looking for that I thought would have been a nice pickup. I, I agree. That's a solid one. In fact, let me go on that real quick for Gary Trent. What did you think about that deal? Um, I mean, getting paid a tidy 18 mil per um, over a couple of years with Toronto. I mean, you I felt like Toronto had to bring him back. You know, you make a trade like that. Just like Portland was a lot to bring back Norman Powell unless something crazy happened. When you make a move like that, you're kind of already buying into that player already, especially knowing where they're heading into free agency. Um, well, in Powell's case, or restricted free agency in, in, in Trent's case. But what did you think from what you saw from Gary Trent when he went to Toronto? I know he came and hit like a 45-point explosion in his first couple of weeks there. Um, kind of, of course, tailed off because he can't sustain that performance. But like in general, um, was he worth the investment and where do you possibly see him kind of growing into? I, I think it's possibly to be a decent two guard, but I'm not, I don't, I don't have any, like from what I've seen so far, I think he could just be really, really good at his current role. It's like a three energy sort of get in your grill defensive type guy. Yeah. So I, uh, I didn't think he played particularly well with Toronto, albeit he, yeah, he, he had a couple of games where he just went, nuclear <laughs> but uh but yeah overall i thought he you know struggled a little bit to fit in and obviously all of the the uh, the absences and injuries toronto was dealing with didn't make things easy and coming coming into a team in the middle of a season that was last year uh is difficult would be difficult for anybody so you know he wasn't that great and and yeah i wasn't a big fan of the contract in large part just because there's not to me a lot of upside for the team you know, you're paying him like the player you kind of want him to be that he's not quite yet. And at the same time on that third year, you're giving him a player option. So he sort of controls things. Like if he's underperforming, he just takes the player option. If he, you know, surpasses that and becomes like an all-star, which I wouldn't expect, but uh, if he does, then he can, he can go out and ask for more or, or leave entirely. So yeah, I, I didn't like the deal, but at the same time, when you compare it to who they traded away and Norman Powell, I, I like Trent Jr.'s contract more than Norman Powell's contract, given that Trent Jr. is 22 and Powell's 29 and uh, Powell got an additional two years and 39 million on his deal. <laughs> Yeah. So if you look bag. at it from that lens, I think it, it's reasonable from Toronto. But yeah, I didn't love it. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to me. I thought that they I don't know who they were kind of betting against. I feel like a few signings in this free agency you could look at and go, OK, um, oh, the money was good in Larry Marketing. I mean, there were a few guys that you're like, oh, OK, like, OK, they got paid. Yeah, which, like, which that which Larry Markkinen's deal makes Trent Jr.'s deal look a lot better, I suppose, if you look at it from that perspective. But yeah, like like what? 
yeah, I guess you're right. Like, like, yeah, you look at it as better value for sure in that way. It's just, it was just odd. It was just odd. I like Trent. I just don't know if I'm looking at Trent. Like, you know what? In three years' time, he's going to be the best guy. Not the best guy, but, like, a stud in Toronto like that. You know, and for that, I'm like, I, then again, the alternative is to letting him go, which would they have done that? Probably not. So I just want to get your take on that for sure because I thought that was interesting. Um, OJ Anobi is an interesting player. Uh, what do you think about kind of his development? Um, are you high on him as being someone who can kind of add um, other elements to his game? I'm kind of am ambivalent to it. Ambivalent? That's the word. I'm, I'm, I'm done. My brain, ambivalent. I said it. There we go. I said yeah. ambivalent first. Oh. But anyway, we get it. That's how I feel. It means mixed emotions, everyone. Uh, I didn't know, but now you know. Round ball ramble. All right. Uh, Garrett, what do you think about uh, OG Anofi? Yeah, I mean, I I like uh, I like OG. I've always been a pretty big fan of his game. And we saw like two years ago, he, uh, he started to display a little bit more of the attacking closeouts and making that pass when the, the next defender comes. And then last year we saw a little bit more sophistication with his, uh, you know, with his dribble game, doing multiple moves and, and uh, being able to, uh, you know, lean a certain way, get a guy leaning and, and, and get going the other direction. So, yeah, I think there are, there's going to be ample opportunity with this roster for him to get some more on ball reps. And again, with this team sort of walking that line of trying to win games, but at the same time, you know, giving guys opportunities to develop and improve. I think, uh, I think you could see a, a jump in, in OG's usage rate next season. And hopefully with that, some, some growth, I, I believe in his potential. I, I think he's going to be, you know, maybe never be an all-star level player, but a guy that with his already elite defense, I think he can get to, you know, above average is an offensive guy, and that gets you into that all-star conversation in, in a year or two. Okay, so not maybe the playmaking, perhaps, in that. Just kind of more of, like, a more adequate, more efficient, more proficient, like, play finisher. Kind of like Jalen Brown, how Brown has, you know, is still uh, has still mostly stayed in the same role, but just doing a better job of attacking closeouts and, and uh, making those secondary plays when the defense has already been warped. Yeah, I think OG can can get much better in in those sorts of environments. That makes sense. Just taking advantage of what the defense gives you and maybe seeing more about seeing more ahead of it than others. I I like that. All right. Well, I mean, any other players on this Raptors roster before we kind of go into their long term outlook that you want to point out? I know you always have one or two guys that you bring out the woodwork that I wasn't expecting. Um, But anyone else you kind of want to point out um, before we kind of look at the Raptors, just kind of like long term outlook as well as like their immediate season outlook? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, this isn't going to be, you know, these are guys that you definitely know of, but uh, <laughs> uh, Malachi Flynn, uh, I don't know if, if you saw much of him in summer league, but uh, I, I, thought I, did he, see. I thought he impressed, um, you know, I, I think last year he really struggled on the offensive end, not only getting good looks against NBA level defenders, but also knocking those shots down. Um, I saw a little bit more, you know, ability to create separation at summer league. And then also just, I think, a, a higher level of confidence taking and making those difficult shots that he's sort of known for. And, uh, you know, again, with his experience in the G league, with his experience in the summer league, now a full off season, uh, I would expect him to, you know, he, he's going to be the backup guard behind the likes of, of Van Fleet and, and Trent jr. In the, in that backcourt. 
But uh, I think against second units, I, I, I would be, I wouldn't be shocked if Malachi Flynn turns himself into somebody that's a you know at least an average backup guard, and and that might surprise some people given how little uh, how little he played and how ineffectively he played last year. True, I did like what I saw in summer league. I did watch a few of games, having to just be you know be there when he was playing and like the poise he showed. You know, mind you, with Summer League, a lot of people got a place, and he did have some experience. But he came in, he immediately kind of filled a role. He was kind of, for many parts of that Raptors um, offense, he was their offense, you know? You didn't have the best shot makers down there. Uh, you didn't really have a lot of play. For, you didn't have a lot on the offensive end. Um, and I thought that he brought that stability there, and you're right. I think he can swing between the one, swing between the two, kind of give you that um, – give you that um, – the, the 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 versatility you're looking for from the backcourt spot play like a Fred Van Vliet role. I'm not bringing him up as like an equal, you know, um, one for one type player, but someone who kind of came up, continued to develop, you know, brought a decent outside shot, learned some more playmaking chops, you know, made up for his um, being undersized with intense defense and made that work across the two positions. Um, and become just like Fred Van Vliet. Like, you, you can still target him, but why would you do that? Like, you know what I mean? It's he's more like the Chris Paul, um, Kyle Lowry type of pit bull type defender. Like, yes. If you're bigger than them and more skilled, okay, you're going to get a shot. So Drew Holiday, same thing. Drew Holiday's a little taller. But, like, you know, the Kevin Durant and, and them are going to get their shots, but they're going to work for it because those guys can get in your grill and make things difficult. And I think that we saw some potential from that, some, again, some, at Summer League. Very small caveat there because it's Summer League. But I liked what I saw, and I'm encouraged because I what I did see last year, I was not very high on yeah, like he he was a solid defensive player, but his offense was just horrendous. Last yeah, it season. was it was it was he's, it was rough. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a ways to go there. And another guy that we haven't brought up yet, amazingly, is uh, is Chris Boucher, the human highlight. For oh Korea. my gosh, how could I forget Boucher? Oh my goodness, but, uh, he shot. He made a big uh, improvement in his three point shooting last year. Got up to thirty nine percent. But, you know, I think part of the reason he wasn't, you know, his performance didn't necessarily translate into as many wins last year is just given the Raptors center situation, he had to play so many of his minutes at the five. He's rail thin. He's not cut out to to play there. I, I think he's best suited as a four man who can provide secondary rim protection and then also with his improved shooting still space the floor. Uh, and, and with Birch, with Achua, with a, even Scotty Barnes, I could see Boucher being more in his primary, his best spot at the four this season and, and having another, another solid year. Yeah. I think it's funny with him looking at him as more, I think he's someone that could possibly be moved. I mean, there's what 28, like we kept thinking because he was, you know, had a, a different development uh, developmental cycle that, Oh, you know, he's another part of the young crop talent. It's like, nah, man, like this guy is, uh, he is what he is. He's a solid rotation player. Um, and if you can get something for him, then great. But honestly, the way the Raptors are continuing to, to build um, with this contention contending with this competitiveness and development, this like dual uh, focus, it probably makes more sense for him to stick around. Right. I would say so. And yeah, I, I do think he, he can help them. And uh, I think that's, he's another player that, it's just unfortunate they played in Tampa because he's a guy that uh, I think on a night to night basis, on a game to game basis, he is, he is somebody that energizes your home crowd. Yeah. Let's hope they get him back in Toronto because you're right. That was lost on Tampa. A lot was lost on Tampa. Tampa's a lost place, especially last year. Um, my own personal friends. Anyway, moving right along from that, let's get to one of our last questions here, Garrett. Um, and that is the outlook for Toronto. Um, 
we kind of talked about, you know, they're going to be competitive and they're also going to like look at their young group of guys they have between Scotty Barnes, between Precious Achua, um, between Malachi Flynn and kind of simultaneously develop them. OJ and Nobi's not off the mix either in terms of that, you know, age range of developing. Uh, you have guys who are good that are kind of in their prime and Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. You got to manage all that together. I can't forget Gary Trent Jr. He's in the mix too. So you look at all that. Uh, where do you see the Raptors moving forward and kind of what is their outlook? Not only for next year, but I'll, I'll even project a year or two down if you think that is something that you can do with this team. Yeah, so, you know, with, with this current roster, I, I think they're a team that's basically a 500 or maybe slightly above that sort of roster this upcoming year. And again, I think I think part of it depends on the, the whole Toronto-Tampa thing. When I – um, you know, I was just thinking about maybe their projected wins this year. And I, I kind of said to myself, well, if they're in Toronto, I would say anywhere from 40 to 46. Yeah. Whereas oh, the home cooking. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if it's Tampa, I would say probably 35 to 41. I would say it might take five wins off the table, at least uh, from this team. But, you know, regardless, I think they're, you know, I think the over under I saw for them was 36.5, which I think wow. is too low. Um, I, I see them as a, as a 500 team or better and, you know, moving forward, uh, I, again, with, with the youth of this roster, I could see, even if, even if Scotty Barnes doesn't turn out to be like a star level player, but just improves as you would expect a number all four overall pick to improve, I could see this team getting into those, the, the low fifties as, as far as wins over the next couple of seasons, and, you know, as soon as you get into that territory, that's where, similar to what they did in 2018-19, you can maybe, if you acquire a Kawhi Leonard then and add that to a team that's already a 50-win team, then you're all of a sudden a championship contender again. So it was just the growth, the build-out to that, that you're looking at, like the progression. Um, do you see, okay, at what point would you say, worst case scenario, the Masai, Masai Ujiri looks at this and goes, you know what? This has been great. We've done a great job here in Toronto. I said we're going to win again. I didn't say win. Let's blow this baby up. <laughs> like, what, what the, at what point do you think do you think they kind of ride it out and just kind of continue, like you said, with this current goal? Yeah, I guess um, it would depend on how how awful this season goes. You know, if this team is they're back in Tampa. If this team is back in Tampa and winning 25, 30 games or something next season, then yeah, you know, uh, anything could happen, I suppose. But uh, I also I also think with Masai, he's going to recognize, well, if they're in Tampa, you know, I I don't know how realistically I can sort of evaluate what we've done in this setting with what is. Yeah. Yeah. So now if they're in Toronto and winning 30 games, uh, you know, yeah, maybe at that point he um, considers shipping somebody like a Siakam. Um, you know, I, I still think he's probably going to hold on to the likes of, of Van Fleet and, and Ananobi and, and, and that young core, but Siakam being sort of the eldest star on this roster, I, I could see that happening if he has trade value, but then, you know, that's the other concern is if you're winning 30 games next year, Siakam, I can't imagine is having that great of a season <laughs> and on his contract, he might not be movable. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think you're right. They're probably best bet is to kind of say the course continue on. Um, they got a nice group and you're right. I don't see them hopefully something that far unless, you know, knock on everything that COVID doesn't strike again to that team to anyone, but you know, just in general or excessive injuries. Um, but they do have a lot of talent on this roster. Um, well, Garrett, well, I think you gave me any last words on Toronto. I think, you. I mean, listen, 
as guests go, we know we're getting from Garrett one of the best. And I mean, you showed it again, man. I feel like I've asked all the questions I have for uh, Toronto. Uh, you have anything you want to close on them? I mean, just from a, from, you know, I've always enjoyed watching the Raptors on league pass and from a, from a pure like basketball nerd standpoint, Watching OG Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, you know, even even Gary Trent Jr. Trent Jr. is the worst defender in that starting lineup. Despite um, his reputation, yes, he is bad. <laughs> uh, that, you know, the team is just going to be so much fun to watch on the defensive end, how they communicate, how they switch, just the one-on-one defensive displays you're going to see at times. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's everything I love about basketball. I really enjoy the, the defensive style of you know style games and uh yeah i uh, i'm gonna continue to watch the raptors probably more than most teams in the league i love it i love it i guess uh we're gonna have a lot of fun when it comes to um lakers raptors matchups because that's the type of offense i want to see <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you the offense it. where uh, lebron tries to uh, run pick and roll and russell westbrook's defender leaves him listen to- i'm not listening and- listen <laughs> garrett Oh, man, I love you, bro. All right. Thank you, man. I got it. Okay. So this is funny. I'm actually glad we get to this segment because I rolled this out. Uh, I was thinking about this when I went to SBC, Sportsman's Classroom in Vegas. I was like, you know, I need to have a question to ask these guys to kind of like, you know, icebreaker, start a good conversation. And also it's on my phone screen. Like this would be a conversation starter. And it blew up. It was a perfect conversation starter. People can believe my top five. You already knew. So I'm not going to break it down again. But I was like, hey, what's your top five favorite players? And and not you know, the best, not Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, unless those happen to be your favorite players, in which case, knock them out. But, like, what is your top five play- favorite that you like watching? Because I think you can tell a lot about a basketball fan as a person by the type of players they've had. And so this is something I, I cooked up, um, rolled out when I came back. I've had a couple of first-time guests and had a lot of fun, you know, asking this question, getting a lot of guys. No team has been like mine, not even close, which maybe either I'm not on the right track or maybe like, I think they're not on the right track, but who knows? You know, testament here. Um, got a lot of passing units, got a lot of retro guys. It's been interesting. Not a lot of gunners, but that's fine. There's room for everyone. So now Garrett, and I kind of feel like I've known you long enough that I kind of know where you're going, but also not enough that I have no idea. So I'm literally curious as to what is your top five all-time favorite players? What is your vibe squad? So, you know, you, you gave me this question before to sort of prepare. And of course I'm somebody that, uh, you know, over-prepared. Oh, you probably had a, a tie. You had a sheet. You whittled it I down. Actually, I actually have three teams. I, I could do as many as you Lord want. Me to. You know what? Drop them all. <laughs> Drop them all. Lord. I knew it. I knew. Wow. Go in, go in, tell them. Share it. All right. Them. So team one, <laughs> we're starting with Larry Legend, Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Okay. I mean, just <laughs> three teams. Timeout. Three teams. I was going like man all unit. NBA core, but I was going like all NBA. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. Oh my God! The Duncan Dynasty All NBA squad. All right. Here we are, Larry. Larry Bird. We've got Chris Paul. You know, I'm a big Chris Paul fan. I do know you are. <laughs> now, this next one is more, you know, based on me growing up as a big Cavs fan. I I love this player, but. Big Z, Zadrunas Ilgauskas. Okay. Skilled, skilled. See, I, yes. all right, I see where, okay. People forget that uh, prior to Z's uh, foot injury in like the late 90s, he actually was quite mobile. 
you know, everyone remembers him as this plotting seven footer that yeah. played with LeBron, but bald he, stiff mid range. He, he was nimble prior to some of his foot injuries. Okay. Um, the next guy, it's funny because Z is was seven or is seven three. This next guy is about five six. Earl Boykins. Oh my God. Earl, oh my God. Earl Boykins is on your first team. First team, yes. I remember him zipping around in Denver being posted up by it. Wow. Earl Boykins. Shout out to Earl Boykins. He made a good career. Okay. He had, he had five straight years in the mid-2000s, mind you, the, the era where it was all defense, very physical style of play. Five straight years in double digits scoring, Earl Boykins. Wow. I mean, the Duke – wow. I didn't know there was five straight years, but that's – the dude played, a, what, a solid 10-year career. And not, yeah. well, even more than that. Uh, my fault. I, I said in, uh, 14, 99 to 2012. Wow. Anyway, next, bro, Boykins is your starting point. I just got to comment on that. Okay. I've, I've technically got three point guards on this team. Uh, because, uh, of course, you do. <laughs> <laughs> the final guy on my first team, and a guy that we talked about plenty already, is Kyle Lowry. I mean, I just love watching Kyle Lowry play basketball. I mean, his his health defense at his size, uh, his uh, his use of his behind on offense, uh, just everything about him is is fantastic. Which made sense that you had I knew I knew I picked right when I had you kind of comment on his legacy. Like you're the perfect person. He's on your all time, he's on your number one team. Okay. So we got Boykins, we got Chris Paul, we got Kyle Lowry, uh, we got Larry Legend and Zajuna Sagaskis for team one. Yes. All right, let's let's get team two. Might as well. All right. Wow. So, this is the first timer, y'all. <laughs> the first two guys on the second team are both part of run TMC. I'm gonna guess this. One has to be a point guard. So it has to be Tim Hardaway. No, he's actually the one what? I did not see. <laughs> wow. Wow, and I thought I knew you, dude. Okay, so it's Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond, but Jesus. All right, continue, man. I am flabbergasted and embarrassed. The next guy is another. I mean, I've, I've got to have some Cavalier representation because that was the team I loved growing up on, on all three of these teams. Of course. So my, my Cavalier representative on this team is big three superstar Ricky Davis. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, he's, he's more in line of, of what kind of guys that you've got on your team. Exactly. He, exactly. I loved him in Minnesota. When, you know, when he came to 2006 Minnesota, I said, you know what? Kevin Garnett got the help he needs, and they won like 20 games. But, um, yeah, that was that was a year. That was a year. Ricky Davis is the guy. I love him in the big three. He really is solid. Um, he actually had a solid career, you know, kind of a gunner. Um, knee injuries took him out, you know, in the, he was early in his early 30s, but with the Clippers. So it's kind of cool to see him kind of come back as an older player and play in an environment where, you know, he still had more to give in basketball. But I like the fact you had him never game for the triple-double in Utah where he threw the ball off his own basket to get a rebound. Very interesting. Um, Ricky Davis, gotta love him. That's the first guy on your team I 100% wholeheartedly agree with. Okay, so maybe you'll like this next guy. Uh, he's he's right. a bit of a gunner himself. All right, let's hear it. Uh, Bobby Jackson. Bobby Jackson. Okay, okay. You didn't want to listen to Bobby. I like this. Solid. Now you're getting guys that really, I mean, your guys can really play, but now you're getting my type of guys. I mean, Bobby Jackson could fill it up. He wasn't like the unconscious guy, but he was steady. Some good Sacramento teams, and that ties into your basketball philosophy, so I'm with it. And I, I just loved his sort of his swagger on the court. Mm -hmm. He always seemed like he felt he he was kind of one of those guys that just he felt like he was the best player on the court. <laughs> you couldn't tell nothing. No, that's yeah. I like that. That's a good one. Okay, look at you with some diversity here. All right, the the final guy on team number two is. Uh, <laughs> I can't get over. It. I'm sorry. Okay, 
is uh, Nikola Jokic, my one of my favorite current players, obviously, to watch. Nikola Jokic, a man, I, yeah, he got my, the dude is, the dude's a maestro on the offensive end, not as bad as you think on the defensive end, solid pick. All right, so ready for, ready for the final team? The final team, let's, why not, team three, uh, we already went through some, wait, that was, that was Ricky Davis, that was uh, Jokic, that was um, Mitch Richmond, um, Chris Mullen, and wait, I'm missing a guard, I'm missing a guard. This guy with the swagger on the kick. Oh, Bobby Jackson. Thank you. Okay, good. There we go. That's another five. All right. All right. And now we get to the final. I'm not going to get all 15. Just don't even ask. But now we get to the final team for the Duncan Dynasty uh, vibe squads. So we're starting off with a bang on this squad with, with Steph Curry. Of course. Wow. Okay. 13, yeah. I lo- See, you really epitomize like who you like. Because you like Steph Curry. But obviously, you take Steph Curry, take her Boykins. You got to go Boykins every time. I, I like this. All right. All right. Cool, cool. And then uh, the the other guard on this roster, again, the, I, I mentioned I had to put some some Cavs representation on each of these teams. Mm-hmm. Andre Miller. Whoa. Old school. Like Andre. That was solid. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. All right. I, I know him. Obviously, I didn't watch him in Cleveland, but like later in Denver, you know, old man post-up game. Really? Okay. I like it. Philadelphia. I was, too, I was too. very upset with the Andre Miller, uh, Darius Miles trade back in the day. That that upset me quite, a, quite you, a man. Clippers, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> All right. So the next guy is uh, a forward, Shane Battier. That's your type of player. All right. Yep. Yep. Hard nose, three and D, cerebral type player, makes a little basketball plays. Yeah, I was definitely. I was definitely like uh, one of the the biggest charge takers on my high school basketball team. I, so do, I, I expected no less, Garrett. <laughs> you would be the guy that I could see frowning when someone took an inefficient step back to, like, bruh, like, come on, I'll move the rock. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Then we got two bigs, and these two guys are very different in their style of play, but I I love them both. Okay. My favorite guy on the those grit and grind Grizzlies teams, Zach Randolph. Z-Bone. All right. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Where I'm from, bullies get bullied. <laughs> Again, another like sort of, I feel like he's up your alley, the inefficient, but you know, <laughs> yep. volume. Oh, volume yeah. Sports. Especially once he got to Sacramento and really, I think it was one of his last years, but really embraced that three ball. Became like an odd, like, uh, uh, Stretch four, odd because it wasn't fully his game, but he was trying to get into it. Really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. That was a nice move. But, yeah, he's that guy. Keep you on the ball. Make it, miss it. He's still going to get that ball. He's still going to go to work. And and similar to most of your team, plays zero defense as well. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey. He, was, he held up on that great grind team, okay? They weren't that bad with him. <laughs> and then the, the final guy, just, you know, I love the purity of the, the jump shot. Of course, there's been plenty of guys that are, are really good shooters on these Wait, teams, but, don't uh, tell me. Larry Hughes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I already got my caps. Right, you're done. Right. You're done. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Dirk Nowitzki rounds out my uh, wow. Third team. Dirk Nowitzki, that okay. So that solid third team is a backcourt of Steph Curry and Andre Miller, with Shane Battier, Zach Randolph, and Dirk Nowitzki. That's right. These are wow. That's team three. You know, one more time for the listeners because my reactions probably just interfere the entire process. Go run through. Team one, team two, team three. The first time in Rumble Rumble history, we've had somebody come up with three of these vibe squads, and I don't even know what to think right now, Garrett. 
All right. So uh, first team has, I'll, I'll go by height. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Earl Boykins, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Larry Bird, Zadrunas Ogaskis. All right. Then team two, we've got Bobby Jackson, Mitch Richmond, Ricky Davis, Chris Mullen, and Nikola Jokic. Okay. And team three, we've got Steph Curry, Andre Miller, Shane Battier, Zach Randolph, and Dirk Nowitzki. Wow. That is an eclectic mix of talent across multiple eras, multiple that's what play I, styles. That's what I tried to do. I tried to, I tried to uh, get the whole positional spectrum. I tried to get from, uh, you know, all the different eras of the NBA. I guess I didn't get anybody from like the, the 70s, but no, I, I yeah. tried to get from, from just about every time period. And, uh, you know, I also tried to get it so that there was a, a good mix of stars, but then also more lower level guys as well. No, you did a good, you did a good job. I like it. It's, it's crafted almost as good as my team. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. Thank you for coming on, not only knocking off the park with the Raptors, but not giving me not one, not two, but three <laughs> vibe squads. This is one for the history books, y'all. Um, I'm going to have Garrett link it up on Twitter. He's going to write it himself. I'm not writing that on Twitter. He's going to write it. I'll share it. And there we go. <laughs> but listen, y'all, find Garrett uh, uh, on Twitter at Garrett Bougay. Um, Listen, Duncan Dynasty, y'all. If y'all want what this is, but deeper and a little bit better in terms of analysis, um, check out Duncan Dynasty. I can say that because not only do I believe it, but I'm also part of it. So, like, I'm not really dissing myself because by association, I'm also there. So, you know, definitely check, make sure you check that out um, at Duncan Dynasty. It, it's, it, dude, we got some great content coming out. Um, content I almost forgot to give Garrett till he reminded me, so we're good. Um, <laughs> but listen, y'all, it's, it's really good stuff. This guy, you should really check him out. Like, the followers he has, there should be, like, twice that double that so i'm gonna link it check it out for sure we're gonna have him back on 100 um but aside from that you can find me on twitter at corbin mba uh check out hoop ball on twitter at hoop ball tweets online hoop dash ball.com listen y'all make it a great rest of your week may your tuesday be better than your monday uh for garrett for myself we're frosty y'all stay frosty and i'll talk to you tomorrow This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.